Welcome back into the Esports Network podcast. We talk about, you know, the relationships of esports, the businesses of esports, the coaches, the players. And sometimes I just like to get down to the nitty gritty and talk regular old, what we like to call in the business esports talk, which is, you know, the equivalent of, of regular sports talk, but you replace it with esports. And here to help me do that, let's welcome in the host of the Center Ring Esports Podcast. Not a competitor here. We're all equals on this platform. Let's welcome in Tim, Tim Krajewski of the Center Ring. Tim, how you doing, my man? I would like to make one correction already, Kevin. Oh. I know it's your show, and I would hate to correct you on your own show, but Hit me with I was a former semi-pro in Rainbow Six Vegas 1 and 2. Oh, well, you know what? I, I should have added that to my uh, my, my your oh. quick minute resume here. Just pop that Not off there. Not really equals. I, uh... Not really equals. I meant equals in the sense of, you know, we're all part of esports podcasts. We all like to talk esports. You know, it's it's a general kind of equal thing, right? It's a general us, not a specific us. I got you. I got you. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, Tim here, host of the Center Ring Podcast. Uh, you've been running for, what, three, four years now? Just popping out episodes semi-weekly every day at some point, if, if, if it's a juicy enough month for you guys, right? Uh, it's been a long time. Um, I would almost say like we're going on like maybe five years. We just recorded with you, in fact. Yes. Uh, episode 337. Yes. So we do uh, two episodes a week now. We used to only do one. Now we do two a week. And uh, we're at whenever our, our dad gamer lifestyle allows it. It is not an easy, easy life being a dad gamer. I agree. But uh, I mean, it almost makes you like anything without kids is almost like minimized yeah no 100 percent. i agree okay. it's, it's tough cool that you uh won the major but could you win the major with a kid <laughs> i mean like, that would in, in like that's immediately more impressive no i agree i mean I'm, I'm seeing a lot of esports pros you know getting engaged getting married but you know i don't see a lot of them having kids not yet not i mean no could you imagine that generation of esports kids growing up in the next decade and a half god that sounds amazing. All right. So uh, here on the show, I don't get the chance, the opportunity really to talk through a bunch of esports all at once with somebody else like minded like myself. Usually I'm talking to players about one specific scene or uh, somebody working as an executive for a, a company, usually focus on one thing, which is OK. Don't get me wrong. I love talking about spe- you know specific things, but I like talking about esports in general, too. You know, the esports minute, that's my 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 little my little taste of it every every weekday but for now like we got to get a big old 20 30 minute chunk of esports in here and so tim we're halfway through 2021 right let's review and preview the next big tournaments the ones that we liked already i mean what do you say help me out here yeah it's been uh, an interesting year to say the least especially when you're coming off of a year like 2020 where it was just COVID riddled. And I felt like this year we kind of at least are starting to have a glimmer of hope. We're seeing some light at the end of the tunnel, getting back to normal with some lands here and there sprinkled in maybe with fans, maybe without depending on where you're at. Uh, And, you know, I guess if you want, we can, we can start with Valorant because I really felt like I felt like Kevin, I was in a funk. Really? I don't want to say, I don't, you know, let's not raise the the flags here of mental health or anything, but I was in an <laughs> esports funk for a while. And maybe it was the fact that NA just kind of sucks at every esport, it yes. seems. 
So nothing was getting me excited. Like, oh, great. In Counter-Strike, I get to uh, watch evil geniuses play against bad news bears. Which European is going to get me now? (laughs) Right. Like, that will get me going. So it just, I don't know. I was watching, obviously, and we were talking about it on our podcast and everything, but nothing was getting me going. Like, the juice is flowing, you know? Yeah. And And then Valorant came around, and VCT, and their Iceland tournament, uh, you know, first masters for for that, or I guess the second masters um, for the VCT. Yes. yes. First LAN, I should say, first international event in a long time. Oh, and man. that kind of that. I mean, I felt like I was like right back at it. Like I was getting up out of my chair. I was getting hyped. I was yelling at the monitor. You know, screaming at the players. Uh, that kind of woke me up. I was like, oh. Esports is coming back. Nature is healing. We're coming back. So that to me, to start off on a high, uh, this almost the highlight of the year thus far. Right. Valorant, of course, a year old now, a year plus at this point. Season one of their their esports league, the VCT Valorant Champions Tour. Pretty successful, I would say. It's a breath of fresh air for esports. It's uh, very nice to see a kind of more gun game focused uh, esport with some abilities sprinkled in. It's like CSGO with some Overwatch mixed in. Nothing too crazy, right? But VC, I mean, for for a second there earlier this year with with the VCT, I was I was a little bit worried because it was kind of hectic and chaotic with teams kind of performing all over the place. One week you had this, you know, oh, for sure. Uh, it, it's, it's fanatic. It's going to be a great team this, this week. Oh no, next week they suck. And then it, it's, it's a weird kind of thing where they kept bouncing back and forth in stage one stage two comes in though. And the dust settles a little bit. We see, we see Sentinels really come into their own despite, you know, the loss of Sinatra for really the majority of the season. And they'll continue to see that probably up until I believe September where Valorant champions is about to really get going. But VCT Reykjavik, that Iceland tournament, mwah, that is a perfect like amalgamation of what Valorant should aim to be. Entertaining games, entertaining players, the production quality was on point. I mean, what would you give if you could give a grade to Valorant, right? Like, what would you give him? A, A plus, B, what would you say so far before their, I guess, their 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 big stage three events? I mean, for right now, I think you almost have to give them an A. Yeah. Maybe even an A plus. Oh, if, whoa, if whoa. Just going off of emotions. And a little NA1, right? Yes. If NA lost, this would be like an F. Let's make that very clear. Like, it, this is uh, maybe maybe a C. Maybe I'd give them a C minus. But with NA winning and we're on top for once, obviously, I think everyone's feeling good on state side anyways about the game. But uh, no, I think, I think Riot has done a phenomenal job with Valorant. When you think of it, I mean, you just said it. The game is just over a year old. Like, that is insane that we have seen a game, albeit it is from Riot, but people say that it's only Riot's second game ever. It's just their one is also really other popular, right? League of Legends, they've kind of also knocked that out of the park when it comes to uh, setting it up for esports. So they knew the formula going into it, but still, I mean, it was no guarantee that people were going to latch onto it. I wouldn't say the League of Legends fanboys were guaranteed to also like this game. I mean, it's completely different. So for Riot to come in with a new game that is eerily similar to others like Counter-Strike, but to also kind of share that fan base to get some of the players moving over from other games, big name players moving over 
uh yeah i I mean i think you gotta say it's at least an a i mean they've done a phenomenal job where so many other games albeit from not as big developers uh have tried coming out like in the last you know three or four years and made a big statement of we're going to be a game made for esports for the players by the players and then it dies by the time it's even out of closed beta yeah i mean it's it's i i would only say a minus because of that kind of that weird stumbling start they had where people were, you know, these, these big orgs come in with these amazing teams, you know, ex CSGO pros and all of a sudden they kind of falter a bit and, and, and doesn't really amount to much. But now that we're really getting going, we're going into stage three, heading towards Berlin, the next big offline masters tournament. That's where I think Valmer really cement themselves as like, this is a, at the very least, a high tier two esport, if not already a tier one esport, right? So obviously, Valorant underwent a massive patch this week. Uh, I mean, pretty much everything was touched. Guns, uh, agents were all were all kind of moved around, updated, nerfed, buffed, reworked, whatever needed to happen. Patch three point really took care of it. Um, so heading into stage three now, it's 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 a even playing field. I'd be pretty hard pressed to bet against Sentinels and NA coming into stage three. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, I think they are just overwhelmingly favorites still going into it. Uh, and that's mainly, I mean, it's not to say that anyone on EU couldn't be the favorite, but we've just, the only thing we have to go off of is, is Iceland. And I, I don't think enough has changed in the game to, to waver my opinion. Now is, is, NA as deep as a favorite as before? No, I don't think so. Like going into the last major, it was like people were almost saying like, oh, the top five teams could possibly be NA, right? Mm. Like this could just be this entire tournament could be NA and you'd still have the best teams in the world. I don't think we're on that narrative anymore. I think we have seen from places like Korea um, and an EU where they can compete on the NA side of things and at, at a high level. So yeah, I would still say Sentinels and NA are the favorites. Now, does it go all the way down to saying like, are we still saying TSM, right? Are they still even part of a, that's what I'm kind of more interested in. Are teams like TSM, uh, guild esports on the EU side, G2, even envy, right. Who are looking extremely strong up until the point of not qualifying. Those are the guys that, you know, okay, we haven't seen you in a while. You've made some roster changes, the roster changes plus the updates to some of the the agents and abilities will it be enough yeah i don't i don't think so like i said these are mostly like little tweaks little you know nerfs buffs whatever these little things here and there that aren't going to change the game overall too much maybe you'll see a, you know a new meta pop up or you know with this new agent i, I think ko is his name this this robot kind of pathfinder esque uh, champion coming in or agent excuse me coming in now so we'll see stage 3 is is an exciting moment for esports i, I really hope uh, it it comes to fruition that we, all of our hopes are, are really kind of made with this stage three. But enough about Valorant. We talked enough about it. Let's talk about its, uh, its far off cousin. We could say, right? CSGO. Really, I mean, at this point, Europe has continued to establish themselves as, as the place to be in terms of top tier talent and teams for Counter Strike. I don't see that changing anytime soon this year. 
Uh, I mean, the big surprise, obviously, Gambit. They've taken the CSGO world by storm. Top two finishes at IM Worlds, ESL Pro League Season 13, DreamHack Masters, IM Summer, uh, and recently, of course, uh, Blast Premier Spring Finals. All within the span of four months, they've kind of taken CSGO as, as number two, number one team. Can they continue this run into the latter half of the year? For Gambit, I think so. Um you know, I, I don't see why not, especially depending on what narrative you want to believe. If you are one of these that feel like the online and land play are just so unearthly different and there's no possible way one team could carry over the skill to another, um, then maybe not. Right. Mm-hmm. But I don't buy into that. I think we have seen Gambit now perform at this level for over the past year and yes it's been online but they're still i mean it's not like they're floating around in the top 15 you know they're not beating teams like og and and complexity and then losing to teams like navi or astralis no they're beating those teams still yeah and yeah i'm sorry but the difference between online and land yes there is a difference but it is not that big of a difference to where a team can just climb and be consistently winning events and being number one in the world. It's not like, you know, you might have your one fluke occasion. Sure. I get that. And we see that all the time versus online and land. We see that, but to see this type of consistency from gambit to seeing on the flip side of other consistency, like other teams not performing as well, I, I think it's a convenient excuse to say, well, it's because it's online. Well, come on, dudes. It's been over a year. Like, teams have adjusted. It, it, it's adjusted. It's not like skill has just completely gone out the window. No, I agree. It's just, it's, it's when all the pros are on an even, on like an even playing field, it doesn't matter what medium they're playing on, right? Everybody's playing online everybody's having to go through the same kind of issues with in, in regards to like internet and stuff like that, but they're all playing close enough in Europe to where that doesn't really matter anyways. And so, I mean, with the, uh, with the return of offline tournaments for CSGO, Gambit is still winning tournaments. Like, come on, like it's, it's going to be like, I know the next tournament, I am Cologne also offline, you know, ESL pro league season 14. I haven't heard discussions yet about whether it be offline or online. That, that's, that's a pretty big, uh, maybe, maybe litmus test for them. But I still think, Gambit, you know, it's a Gambit's game to lose at this point. Everybody else is just trying to catch up with them. Uh, in terms of the second half of the season, uh, what, I guess, major excites you the most? Is it, you know, the Stockholm Major, Blast Premier World Final? I mean, what, what do you think about Blast so far? Have they done a decent job in terms of uh, being a CSGO tournament, right? Yeah, I think Blast has done an incredible job. That might actually be one of the ones that I'm more excited for coming up in the year. I, you know, the major, sure, just because of the title. Yeah. You know, it, especially because we haven't had one, a quote unquote major in so long that I guess, yes, I am excited to have a major. But I mean, I am Cologne. Look at the rosters. The, yeah. I mean, first off, it's a million dollar prize pool. So right there, you're pretty much looking at a major anyways. And the teams that are there, I mean, those are all the teams that are going to be in the major. So, I mean, if you want a preview, here it is, right? Mm-hmm. Coming up in a week or so. Um, I am Cologne, I think, is my most exciting coming up, obviously, just with, you know, as you said, it is going to be an offline event. I don't think fans will be there, but still offline. I'll take it. Beggars can't be choosers. You're going to have teams like Gambit and Heroic, 
right? Virtus Pro, who has come up, which, by the way, no one ever like calls out Virtus Pro for rising yeah. up in an online era. Yeah. So I don't know why Gambit is getting this short end of the stick by getting called out for online play when Virtus Pro is also in that same boat of coming up in the online time. So, um, you know, this I guess this will be the first time that we kind of get to see, okay, it's offline. What what type of difference, if any, will we see? So Cologne is on my most, uh, obviously it's like in a week. So it's got my most attention right now. I mean, same here. We're, we're looking at, I think the day is uh, July 6th is that first uh, qualifying matches all and everything. And, Grand final July 18th. So we'll have a good two weeks worth of games there to kind of keep our attention and really pay attention to the CSGO scene coming up. And hopefully, uh, you know, whatever we saw happen out of uh, last premier spring finals continues here for Gambit at, at Cologne. So that's an awesome look for CSGO. It's kind of uh, really, like I said, the European uh, stage kind of just taking it by storm. North America. Sorry, Three NA teams in Cologne. Yes. Thank you very much. Sorry, sorry. Yes. Liquid, which is, I think, 11th in HLTV's ranking. Yep. And Fury. Geniuses, which I think is 30. They dropped all the way to 30. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, Bad News Bears, which I don't even know if they show up on the rankings, to be honest with you. They are. Th- oh, I can't even see that. I think that's 31st. No, I, they're, they're probably not even on the top. 30 look bad oh, news bears. TVs. no <laughs> bad news bears is one of these teams that are getting into these events by qualifying because obviously you're, you're getting in through na qualifiers and there's just not i mean there's just not teams no there's there's really none so this is really like the soccer of esports only events and it's just embarrassing yeah. it looks like uh it looks like you're playing you know ESEA open. It looked, it looked <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really think any uh, any big splash will be made by NA teams this go around. But hey, uh, you know, stranger things have happened. But uh, for the most part, CSGO uh, really kind of playing the role of soccer for NA fans here right now. Because you know, if you if you're a big, I know you're you're kind of a soccer guy. I know the big soccer events happen in Europe, right? For the most part, nobody watches soccer. Nobody yeah. watches MLS here. No, unless you're just the diehards, right? Yeah. So it's uh, probably a fair a fair comparison. So if you're a casual, you know, CSGO fan, Europe is the way to go for the most part. But uh, moving on from CSGO now, we have to move into, we have to because, you know, we're not, not contractually obligated, but at least geographically obligated to bring up the Overwatch League because the Dallas field have actually been doing pretty, pretty dang good. And we're, we're both based out of uh, the DFW area. And so currently we're in a break between the June joust and I believe the summer showdown qualifiers coming up soon. Two teams have really stood out. It's been Dallas fuel, Shanghai dragons. They have already met four times uh, across the last two tournaments and they've, te- and they've each taken one of those tournaments. Dallas will have beaten them three times. But, you know, no big deal. Shanghai, of course, still riding high on that June Joust victory. Uh, is this finally the team Hastro has been dreaming of since he founded the Fuel? Uh, yeah, I, I you know, I, I, I would love to talk to Hastro as far as just how his feelings are, because going from a laughingstock in Overwatch League to where the first two seasons you were one of the favorite. I mean, season one, you were. Mm. You and Soul were the favorites going into it. Despite not having a good season one, you were still the favorite. Like, that's how good 
the fuel were supposed to be yep that even after a disappointing first season some people were still putting you up as a favorite for season two like it carried over that much and then by midway like i would say even at the end of the first stage it was quickly learned like oh no things are not working out but now fat fast forward to now it's almost insane that you're you're having a discussion of shanghai and dallas being the best teams in the league that is insane <laughs> two seasons ago that so you would have gotten laughed out of esports for saying that no you're right and and so i'm sure maybe the one thing hastro could kind of say like oh we, should, we could have changed this is the fact that this season this past season this offseason they had to pretty much revamp the entire team bring in a a, a squad of koreans to kind of take over where the last team kind of faltered and I'm sure Pastor would look back and say, I wish we had more, you know, NA European talent taking over instead of having to bring in, uh, you know, the, 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 this Korean squad. But I mean, they're winning games for you. You can't really complain. And I'll happily take that that W any day of the week. Yeah. And that's I'm sure that's fair to say. Right. Yeah. Especially because the original squad was his old Envy team. Right. Yep. So I think, and I, I wouldn't blame him if he was like, you know what? Yeah, I re- of course, I wished it would have worked out the first time around, right? It would have been awesome to have the crew still together and, and winning. And like you said, especially being more NA heavy players. Um, I know for me personally, like as a fan, you're probably a little bit more invested, mm-hmm. right? Just naturally, I'm going to be a little bit more invested into content and stuff. It's kind of hard for them to build content when your entire roster is Korean and your fan base is, is North American for the most part. So, I, I mean, I get that. And I don't think that's wrong to say that an owner wishes that, but you're absolutely right. Winning cures all that can change the mind of, of anyone if you're winning. So, you know, does he wish it worked out? Sure. But is he happy? He's made the change to get to this point. And it's only going, going in my opinion, going to get even better with pine. Yep. Like, yeah, I think he is going to be thrilled. Now, you know, let's let's see how Overwatch 2 goes with 5v5, right? That might even work out better for them. You're right, yeah. So, we'll well, I guess well, that's that's neither here nor there, but no, I I think if if I was Hastro, I would I would be thrilled right now with where the fuel are at. I mean, I just really I think fans would be happy with with winning more than content you know like nobody cares about the new york yankees popping out fan video videos for fans on youtube you know whatever uh going down i mean that's that's fun stuff right it's stuff to keep your fans kind of like happy and entertained for a bit but let's be real it's, it's all about those rings it's all about the wins that your team you know brings on and so i'm i'm, I'm happy i'm happy to give up uh, a, a, you know, a North American quote unquote team for a Korean squad and, and get a, get a championship. I'd be, I do that. I do that any day of the yeah. week. If I could replace the Rangers, paying, after paying 20 million to get into the league. Oh yeah. Hurt. You're content, not wrong. Content wouldn't hurt. You're not wrong. Of course. Uh, I mean, uh, we're looking forward though for overwatch. So we got the summer showdown and the countdown cups, the last two events uh, for the, I guess the regular season tournaments before you can really go in for those playoffs and that grand final for season four. Any, I guess any dark horses you, you want to pick out right now, just throw some out there really quick for overwatch league. If you, if you're looking at the standings and kind of have an idea. So it's, it's going to sound weird after what we, literally just talked about but i feel like dallas fuel is still kind of considered a dark horse because when you look at like when they get into these monthly events they're not like 
in the top half of it. No. Like May Melee, they went two and two. June Joust, they went three and one, but like were fifth, right? They yeah. were they were tied for fifth because uh some teams went four and oh and the way tiebreakers worked. So that I mean I feel like they're kind of the active dark horse now anyways, right? It's almost like they're in this weird spot where they're just making it work being in the middle. Like they're just winning when it matters, I guess is what they're doing. Yep. So I don't know if that's fair to say, like, I feel like that's kind of a cop out to say the Dallas fuel could be the dark horse, but like just from an overall, like how they perform it. Yeah. I would almost say that they are the, the dark horse, at least for the, the NA side of things. Right. And looking at the season standings, of course, uh, they don't go by wins and losses here. They go by league points. And I, ironically enough, the fuel lead the Western Conference in the Overwatch League in, in league points with 10 versus the San Francisco Shock, who are, you know, behind them with, I think, nine, which is kind of it's interesting, right? That you kind of you, you get away with mediocre play in the in the regular season, but like you said, when it comes to these monthly tournaments, it's really where they come out to shine. And I mean I'm like I said, W's yeah, matter more correct. than what's the up? The fuel are first place at five and three. San Francisco is second at seven and one. There you go. So I guess is your seven and one team the dark horse? <laughs> like that doesn't seem right either. No. So I don't and, and, and realistically a dark horse has to have some chance yeah, at winning. Yeah. Dark horse has to be not exactly an underdog, but just somebody who's been kind of middling like the fuel having kind of. <laughs> yeah. So it's weird that your first place team is your dark horse, but that's where we're at. I mean, yeah, I mean, and I'm sure regular season games don't really factor into it as much when everybody can get into the um, oh, when almost everybody can get into these monthly tournaments. Right. And so you kind of went through that and you, and you make your 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 points up there and. Uh, personally for me, I, I, I'm going to go on a limb here. I'm not going to say the fuel as a dark horse. I am going to say maybe a team like the Atlanta rain will come out in the second half of the season. And really just, I, I base it on nothing other than the fact that they gave the fuel a good, a good game of, of uh, in the June joust, or I was it June joust. I think it was, yeah, it was, it was June joust where they gave him a good little, you know, playoff game there. And I'm just like, you know what? Uh, third place in a, in a, in a tournament featuring the fuel and the Shanghai dragons, that's not too bad. So I'll, I'll put my pick as the Atlanta rain as a dark horse to kind of make some noise come playoff time later this season. Fair enough. And so uh, let's, let's cap this off really quick. Last esport I really want to talk about. Uh, if you call an esport, the fans will, will yell at you and the berate you for whatever reason, but call of duty stage four major just wrapped up. Uh, I mean, the first half of the season can be summed up with like one word phase phase leading the standings phase literally could underperform the entirety of this next stage, miss the playoffs or stage five major and still come out on top in time for champs as the number one seed. That's how far ahead they are in the standings phase easily the S tier on their own in, in the, in the CDL Dallas empire, Toronto ultra distant second, third, maybe it's like chasing a sports car on a bicycle for these two teams. I mean, uh, realistically, can anybody beat FaZe at this point when it counts? No. No, they cannot, Kevin. FaZe is 30 and 4. Jesus. 30 <laughs> and 4. Their map differential is 105 to 43. They have won 71% of their maps. They have over 100 and point lead here so 
they have 465 points to second place Dallas at 320. Oh, man, that is that is such a dumb. I've never seen in esports uh, just something like such a dominant performance across the season. We were already past stage four now. Obviously, the, the phase has placed top two in every major so far uh, this season, at least. That's ridiculous. They uh, they have definitely taken losing personal. Yes, because. You know, apart from stage three, where they they kind of had shaky grounds, but again, I I just the way they are looking at it almost seems like the rest of the league is trying to make the roster changes to catch up, right? Which yeah. I think is a huge thing here. When you have guys like, I mean, hell, Dallas has made multiple roster changes. Uh, LA Thieves, in return of that, there's a lot of talks that Chicago needs to be making a roster change, um, but that's a tough pill to swallow, I think, if you're an Optic fan. Even a, a bigger pill to swallow if you're on Chicago, yeah. right? Because I think if they make a roster change, then that's them admitting like it's not working. And I just feel like Optic is not an org that likes to admit that things aren't working. I feel like they're an org that likes to, to hang their head high on their history and likes to kind of boast that they know what they're doing. And for all intents and purposes, they have for a very long time. But right now, it's not working and they probably need to start looking at a roster change. Um, so we'll, we'll see. But again, from Atlanta's point of view, as everyone else below you is, is getting a little sweaty right now. They're getting a little nervous, making roster changes, trying to catch up to you. So all you have to do is focus on not losing early in these events and getting knocked down to the losers brackets early. And I, I don't, I don't see a team beating them twice in an event now leading up to it. Now that being said, that's what I said last year and they, they lost to Dallas and the champs. So ironically, and that's all that matters. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, uh, right now we have a solid kind of second place block uh, you have Toronto, you have Dallas, Toronto, New York, all separated by about 10 points total. And then you have this gigantic pile of dirt above them and phase on top of that pile, just kind of playing king of the hill and just relaxing for the whole time. And then you have another pile of dirt below that, those three teams. And you have Optic and Minnesota, I guess. And then, you know, it, it, these, these other kind of mediocre, lackluster teams, uh, below that, the, the, the latter half of the, of the, of the league is really kind of underperforming compared to phase. Really? I mean, who isn't underperforming at this point, but like you said, I don't see anybody coming out. I don't see, there's no change any team can make right now other than, you know, just, just practicing and coming out with better strats than phase that could really beat them. It's, it's, it's so hard to say what the one thing to do to beat phases right now. Like phase might lose. I'm not saying they're, you know, Superman over here. Like Dallas almost beat them. That's true almost beat them but if it came down to like putting money on the line i i'm not feeling confident ever going against phase yes so i'm not saying it's impossible like they're you know we have seen them lose we it's not like they're winning every single major but again it's just you'd be insane to try to come on here and being like oh no i mean phase looks kind of weak here you know <laughs> as they sit with their you know, almost 150 points up on second place. Like, come on, the numbers don't lie on this one. No, no, no. And of course, I mean, obviously, I can, 
I can very easily see FaZe at the grand finals for champs, and he's just like that rival in, in Pokemon Blue or Red, where you just he's just sitting there waiting for their first contender to pop up, and it's you, the player character. He's like, "Oh, where you been the whole time? I've already beaten the champion. Where you at?" <laughs> yeah. Just kind of like FaZe has that kind of aura to them right now, where they're just so far ahead. They have every right to be arrogant right now, and and hopefully, uh, I mean, from my from from a, a fan perspective, I'd hope the Empire can really make some. Some some real ground in, in taking down phase. They almost did it this past major. I mean, we'll look forward to stage five. And really, I want to see, you know, grand final for champs. That's what I want to see. I want to I want to fast forward to the end of the year and catch that match. Yeah. And, you know, this year we only have the top eight teams making it to champs. So um, at least I think every match there will be a little more interesting than before, where we don't have to worry about like a number one going up against a number 12. Right, so maybe Thanks. we'll see a little bit more early upsets and champs this year. Thank you. But we have stage five to worry about before we get to that. Yeah, and so I mean, I, I just I I really hate the notion of every team gets to make it to the uh, the champs, right? And just kind of. I got it last year. COVID, you yeah. get a pass. Okay, things got things got a little messy. Everyone can go, and we'll figure it out there. But no, you can't. You can't keep sending every team to the finals because if that's the case, What's the why point? are we doing the regular season? Exactly. And so that's kind of where we're at right now. Phase, obviously, the, the big time favorite heading into stage five and, of course, playoffs for, for uh, champs later on this year. But, Tim, that's, that's all the esports I have to throw at you. And uh, I know when I went on your show, we kind of went into a big old rant and, and discussion about, about Gundam. And so to, to cap off the show, I got to ask you your favorite Gundam, like machine model, period. Your favorite one you looked at like, that's a that's the Gundam I want. Which one is it? So I don't know. You know, the names more than I do, but yeah. I have on my shelf the Gunpla of it. I like the OG one. Grandpa. I'm I'm a, I'm a classic. Give me like the original mobile suit Gundam. And I think you can't go wrong with it. Uh Wing Zero from Gundam Wing classic. is, I think, also very classic looking. I know people. Uh, I'm. I don't want to go back and watch that series and fear that it doesn't hold up well as an adult. As I'm told, it doesn't. <laughs> but the Gundam design in that one is spectacular. This spectacular. Like all of them are on point. Yeah, the five main ones are just pretty good. Even the the antagonist mobile suit is pretty good too. The tall geese, whatever it's called, yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Uh, person, my favorite new Gundam from Shars Counterattack. That's like the my all time favorite. I have it up on my shelf over here, and it's just, it's it's a joy to look at. And hopefully, I pick up a new one, new version of it at some point later this year. But uh, Tim, thank you for coming on the show, discussing all walks of esports scenes with me, and of course, bringing up your own little uh, Gundam favoritism here and there. I appreciate that as well. Where can people listen to the Center Ring? Where can they follow you? Where can they go to your website? Yeah, so you can follow me personally on Twitter at Pirate Mushroom. Uh, I do the Center Ring Esports Podcast. We post two episodes a week, typically every Monday and uh, Thursday. And like I said, unless family life gets in the way, which is not uncommon. So, but we do two a week. Um, best place to know when we upload, though, is on uh, Twitter at the Center Ring. All right, and don't forget, I guess the the website's still active. TCR GG going strong there. It's it's there. <laughs> I don't know how active it is, but yes, we do have a website as you do. But I mean, you got there. that GG, you know, ending. Might as well use it. TCR dot GG. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, you know, we have it there. It's a website. 
it's, no. it's a website. I'm not a I'm not a big web designer. I'm a talker, not a writer, Kevin. Show hosts rarely do any of the back end lifting. Okay, and that's all I got to say. Yeah, we we worked in radio. We know how it goes. Exactly. So, uh, Tim, I, I want to thank you for coming on the show again and, and coming in and, and kind of explaining the lowdown behind some esports scenes that people kind of want to want to hear about, want to discuss a little bit more. And so, thank you for coming on and bringing that in depth knowledge that we really needed. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. He's Tim Krajewski of the Center Ring Podcast. And I am, of course, Kevin Correa right here on the Esports Network Podcast. <laughs>